coming up this episode. This year is my 13 years anniversary with Facebook. 13 years ago, I'm not just a user, I'm a small investor. I'm making like what, 10 of thousand a return, 10 of, 10 of thousand time return. So investing into this ECF, similarly, I think you might have a 10 time they can't return. This is the Doctorpreneur's Podcast. The Doctorpreneur's Podcast is brought to you by Jasper Lodge Care Centres Malaysia. Managed by doctors, Jasper Lodge Care Centres provide loving, trustworthy and quality care and treatment to all their residents. Looking for a professional aged care facility to look after your elderly loved ones? Find a Jasper Lodge near you at Talingjaya, Sri Kembangan, Penang, Kuching, Johor Bahru and Kuantan. Get your free care consultation with Jasper Lodge Care Centres by calling 015-4873-8450. 015-4873-8450. Or visit jasperlodge.com.my. We are here to help. The Doctorpreneur's podcast is brought to you by Pillar Malaysia, sending trained caregivers to your home. Managed by doctors and aged care experts, Pillar provides experience and compassionate caregiving in the comfort of your loved one's home for the short term or longer. For a free, no-obligation care consultation with Pillar, call or WhatsApp us at 01111-288-059 or visit us online at PillarCare.com. Pillars, your extended family. Hello and welcome to the Doctorpreneurs Podcast, the show that's at the intersection of health, aging, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dr. Lim, and with me is my co-host, Andrew Mastrindonas, as usual. <laughs> Andrew, why don't you say hi to everybody? Hello, everyone, today. Right. Um, you know, this podcast, uh, we call it The Doctorpreneurs, and we have been focusing a lot on the aspect of aging and health. Um, the, the doctor half of the, the doctor half of the doctorpreneurs podcast, and um, today we've decided to bring in um, someone on the other end of the spectrum, which is the entrepreneurship part. And uh, we first uh, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, he's none other than uh, Mr. William Lien, co-founder and COO of My Starter ECF crowdfunding platform. ECF stands for Equity Crowdfunding. So thank you very much uh, for for taking out your time and being to, to be with us here today, uh, William. Hey, Dr. Lim, uh, thank you very much uh, for inviting me to your show. Uh, this is the first time with you. I think it's getting very exciting. Right, right, right. right. To yeah. have uh, a program together with you. Right, uh, right. It's, it's did, did you know each other before? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It, yeah. It's indeed our pleasure. Good old friend. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> what happened was uh, last year, Jasper Lodge actually completed a round of equity crowdfunding with uh, the MyStarter platform. Correct. And uh, we've successfully raised 1.6 million ringgit from that platform. Wow. I'm aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, William is one of the architects behind the, um, the, the success and uh, he has really guided us and mentored us through the process and has given us a lot of opportunity to not just uh, not just uh, successfully raise the funds but also uh, feature in many of their marketing materials and so I've I've I'm really grateful for that and I'm really grateful to be able to have you on our podcast today yeah thank yeah. you so much for inviting us inviting me to this uh, program I think it's very uh, there's a lot to talk about it yeah absolutely. maybe it'd be good to start with sort of a background of ECF in Malaysia yeah. and sort of where is it today and where how it started yep or, or maybe we should let let uh, William introduce himself first what's oh yeah his we can do that first yeah. and and how how you ended up in into this whole ECF thing yeah okay good uh by the way uh to everyone uh, my name is William and uh, a co-founder and a CEO of uh, my starter uh, my journey to coming into this uh, equity crowdfunding, I think, uh, start a few years ago. And I, my background was actually uh, started uh, quite early when I studied in US. And I was started my career in uh, IT, in a uh, technology part. So was one of the early birds that uh, adopted this uh, IT into the business. Mm -hmm. right, so uh, in the early 90, and I came back to Malaysia. Uh, that's where I found the opportunity of uh, growing this uh, IT business. Mm -hmm. And I was transferred back to Malaysia uh, work under one company called Acer. Mm -hmm. At that time, I think the brand is still quite new and the market is quite new. Taiwanese company. Uh, Taiwanese company, yeah. yeah. But I work in the uh, US, right? So under okay. the uh, US uh, company. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was quite uh, early early stage. But at that time, I think the business is picked up quite fast. Uh, the 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 client value is doing quite well, mm -hmm. right, doing all right. So I came in just like a parachute, you know, uh, 
drop into the organization mm-hmm. and I found that uh, they actually have enough uh, this uh, team in, in, in Glen Valley. So I proposed to the boss, why don't I help you to open up a new channel, new market, and that's where I start uh, internally mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and uh, jumpstart this uh, southern region, like JB, okay. uh, within seven years, I grew the market from uh, 1 million to 100 million. And that's my uh, starting point. 100 million ringgit revenue. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, within the seven years. Right? So fully wow. up, open up this uh, this uh, market share. So mm-hmm. at the time, we already know what, what's the market share and, and so on. Right? So that's my journey. And uh, later on, uh, move into the uh, e-commerce and uh, start this uh, Megabyte.com in the year 2000. Eh? That was uh, when the e-commerce are uh, not even... Uh, that was yeah. like... Uh, dial up internet era slowly just Correct. going into ADSL kind of era <laughs> yeah I still remember that yeah I was still a high schooler yeah yeah. yeah. so uh, 2000 we already start O2O right? I opened up about 7 or 8 uh, uh, offline uh, oh. shop to support the online business oh right? wow so which is quite interesting and the name is called megabyte.com that was after your stint in Acer uh, that's still within the Acer. Oh, right? so, okay. Uh, instead, I start up another new company within the company, right? Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah. So at the time, we saw the opportunity because of the Amazon. Mm. Right? So Amazon was uh, doing quite well. So within the in Malaysia, also, we could do something like that. And uh, during the time, I think Dell also uh, doing something similar. It called Gigabyte. So oh. a bit higher <laughs> than us. <laughs> yeah. Man, okay. okay. Right? So that's a uh, entrepreneurship started. But at that time, we actually did not know anything about this uh, crowdfunding, uh, uh, anything about, uh, we call it uh, uh, capitalization, uh, mm-hmm. how to use this uh, 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 capitalization to, to push up the business. So mm-hmm. most of the income, most of the uh, expansion plan uh, depend on your own profit, which is quite slow. Yeah. So, like just now, you say, wow, you took use seven years to grow from one million to a hundred million. It mm-hmm. seems like quite fast, right? Mm-hmm. But nowadays, you look at all the startups in the Silicon Valley, even including the Southeast Asia or China, within eight years, they grew from one million to a one billion. Right. So, which is, uh, we call it unicorn, right? Yeah. So, so there wasn't crowdfunding back then? Uh, no, no, not exactly. So we didn't even know that actually you can actually, uh, what we call it, raise funds to do your own business. Oh, not even crowdfunding. You don't, you don't even know... Like that, you can actually go to investors. No, yeah, were there no VCs here? There's no VC. Back then, even in the US, there's very little. So most yeah, of the business, you yeah. generate the money from your own business. You must have a good business model, mm-hmm. good revenue stream in order to generate uh, more business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it only started when all these uh, startup, uh, all these uh, what do you call it, uh, tech company in the uh, US, they start, boom. they start to making good money. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these people start to find out that they actually got extra money, do not know what to do. So that's where they start investing into new startup because they, they know that these young people have something creative. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, as, uh, I think the, the classic one is uh, Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Right? So Yahoo, the business actually uh, went down. So all these uh, new startup, new uh, business model came up. So they cannot cope. So the only way is they investing into all these companies in- mm-hmm. instead of they change their business model. I think they invested. Yahoo in- just got sold for really cheap a couple yeah, of days yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, they invested in eBay, right? Yahoo. They invested in many, many companies. They also I mean, invested- the one of the uh, significant ones is uh, Alibaba. Alibaba, right? exactly. So they, are yeah. the, they are the biggest uh, shareholder in Alibaba. Yeah. Right? yeah. So still- they couldn't make Yahoo work, but they made some good investments. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how I think this uh, new concept of uh, capital market, you know, came into my mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So at this point, I think uh, when we actually get into this uh, equity crowdfunding, we found out that most of the SME, most of the startup uh, in Malaysia, they actually lack of the education and the and the what do you call it and the and the mindset of uh, capital market. Mm-hmm. They still think that you know to expand their business, to expand their product, and open up the new market. It still depend on their revenue to do that mm-hmm. so which will take a very very long time yeah I when I started the business I had the same idea you know uh, using my own profits retain profits to to grow the business right yeah. yeah most of the SME and most of the business today they still think that generating the profit for the business is the key but today if you look at the business model it's the different right the profitability which is not relevant more important is how to grow your company value right so with this is we call it the valuation Mm-hmm. If your company worth a lot of money, right? So your this uh, net profit is zero, you still can make a lot of money from the share, right? Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is how you use the other people's money, use the market money in order to grow your business into multiple fold. It's funny because as an older, little older business guy, I still like making real products. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a uh, the I think is the mindset different, right? The conception is different. 
because uh, you actually still make the money, but you do not retain the profit. You immediately with the, for example, let's say your business is still making $1 million. This month, this $1 million, you do not distribute to your shareholder. You put it back into expansion. So your company forever, you know, break even or even lose money. It doesn't matter because your product line has expanded. Yeah. Your market actually uh, expand from Malaysia could have with the profit that you generated, you pump it into open up a new market in Singapore or Indonesia. Mm -hmm. But because your business model is so great, mm -hmm. uh, instead of just depending on your own profit, the investor also saw the opportunity. So they said, might as well I invest into your business. You help you to expand the Singapore market or external market a lot faster. So this is where the capital uh, market start to come in. Yeah, the company that came to my mind is DoorDash, right? Uh, recently, when uh, going, I think have have they IPO? I'm not sure. I think uh, they're in yeah, process. They're, yeah. they filed for IPO, right? So they are not actually using their valuation is used is is done using their gross operating profit instead of using um um the net profit, right? The the bottom line. So yeah, I, I do I, I do see what you mean, and 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 uh, it really re really resonates with how the the newer generations uh, builds their business. The question is. The valuation model has been around for a while now in Silicon Valley. You have good valuations. You make a lot of money. Will that continue in yeah. the future? Yeah, definitely. I think this will become the trend because uh, in the past, you can see most of the business, when they built their empire, built their this business model, it takes about 30 to 50 years in order to hit their final destination. Mm -hmm. uh, give you an example, like uh, Maybank today's uh, total capital, capital uh, what do you call it? Market uh, cap. Market capital is about 100 billion. So it took this uh, grab nine years to achieve the same result. So which a uh, Maybank took about 60 years. Wow. Right. So today, uh, uh, this uh, grab is going to go uh, listed soon in mm -hmm. this uh, US mm -hmm. with the total uh, uh, valuation about 40 billion, eh? 40 billion USD. Mm -hmm. right. So which is double of uh, Maybank's uh, value, but they did it in nine years. Amazing. Um, do you attribute that to, to, to technology? This attribute to the, to, the, um, to the capitalization, right? So to the... Uh, um, capital inject into the business because with the fund coming in, instead of you using your normal uh, pace to grow your business, you can actually multiply into into many, many, you know, much faster. So, are you, so you're saying that Maybank as an older company didn't really do that? Um, we, for those that are existing company, it's a bit difficult because like you say, the mindset is different, the business model is different, unless they actually uh, branch out another division, uh, like what uh, this uh, bank Nakara trying to uh, to introduce, which is a digital bank uh, license. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? So this is another opportunity. And Grab is going for that as yeah, well. Yeah, so <laughs> all these uh, startups, you know, they have, uh, you know, they have uh, upper hand uh, versus the uh, old banking system. I understand. Now, I'm just going to circle a little bit back to to uh, your own story, right? Um, uh, so, I'm going to do a shout-out. I'm going to give a shout-out to Mr. Go Bun Peng. He's the CEO and co-founder uh, co of uh, MyStarter as well. So, how did you uh, get to know Mr. Go? And how did you guys um, co-founded your current company, which is called MyStarter? Yeah. MyStarter, as you can see, the name uh, is quite similar to another uh uh, this uh, what do you call it reward based uh, company called Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter. Ah. actually we borrowed the name right? <laughs> right. Yeah, the copycat right? so <laughs> when we started actually we also doing the reward based uh, uh, crowdfunding right? Right. So and, for the and past, this is in what year? Uh, we, the company founded in 2012 right? which is about 9 years ago oh wow yeah. okay. is, is Kickstarter still around? I, mean, I haven't paid much attention well, to yeah, Kickstarter yeah. in years I guess They're it's still, still the biggest it's still it feels the biggest, like it was a fad uh, for a while maybe I just haven't paid attention to it I don't know yeah, I, I, still, I still, still very still big. Around, still yeah. very uh, the fund size is very big, right? The project uh, is is uh, is is huge, uh, so they're still doing very well on. But they are focusing on the reward based uh uh uh, uh crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. So which is in return, you funded the company uh, and funded the project. Where you get back is the project uh the product. products. Yeah. So most of the product is uh, we call it the latest the tech. Yeah, he they come up headphones, uh, bags, yeah. and all this. Yeah. This is a great stuff. idea because uh you know. Uh, with this funding coming in, they are able to utilize the money to develop something which is beyond what can be done uh, today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? More on the futuristic product. Mm -hmm. So we started from a reward base uh, for many years. So we also have uh, launched uh, quite a number of uh, campaigns, uh, more yeah. than 1,000 uh, successfully funded in our mm -hmm. platform. Mm -hmm. 
uh, until uh, later on, so we saw all these uh, projects, actually, they need to go beyond uh, the product. Yeah? They actually want to start the business. Mm -hmm. It's a real business, not just a single product. They want to grow the product into a multiple product. Mm -hmm. So where they, they want to expand, I think what they are lacking is the knowledge of uh, entrepreneurship, you mm -hmm. know, how to jumpstart the business. Mm -hmm. This is where about four years ago, we started this, uh, this uh, what you call it, incubator for, for this uh, community. Mm -hmm. That's where we have... Uh, 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 startup competition, right? So this will be our fifth year. Okay. One Dr of the Dream Factory, right? Yeah, Dream yeah. Factory. One of the uh, very important uh, incubator uh, startup competition in in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I know like quite a number of companies uh, signed up for the the tournament. Uh, the this competition, competition this, year, yeah. as this well. year alone I didn't have more than 400 teams uh, sign up for oh, which we are right. very excited about it yeah yeah. yeah. and and I, I so happen to be one of the coaches in the Dream Factory Correct. competition as well <laughs> yeah, one of thank the, you for inviting me yeah Yeah. so we need a lot of help yeah, from the industry players mm -hmm. and also from uh, all these uh, business owners mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. so in uh, 2019 mm -hmm. when, when, when we saw this opportunity and the, the SC Security Commission they opened up a license uh, for 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 this business to apply for the for this uh, security commission for this uh, ECF license, yeah, that's where because, they came in. Because before twenty nineteen, there was no equity crowdfunding legally done in Malaysia, right? There is, there is. Oh, the, okay, okay. Uh, equity crowdfunding actually started in twenty fourteen. Okay, right? twenty fifteen. There was a first uh, platform came up uh, into into equity crowdfunding. Right? Mm -hmm. So there was a uh, seven license issue. Mm -hmm. uh, but during the uh, the past four, five, six years. The equity crowdfunding uh, environment is still not that active, and right? mm -hmm. so because of most of the operator are coming from the VC background, so mm. even though it's a call it's a crowdfunding, eh, but most of the project are uh, has uh, lesser than a hundred account investor, it's still very small number of investor into the project. A lot of institutional investors, correct? Yeah. A lot of angel investor. Right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. until we came in in uh, twenty nineteen, we got the license. Uh, they, there was a three license issue, so we were one of them. And we, because we are not from a fintech, right? we are not from a fintech, we also not from a VC. And we're still using the, the reward-based crowdfunding kind of model to do the business. So mm -hmm. that's why you can see our project is very different from the rest. Mm -hmm. uh, each project, we have average about 146 uh, investors into the program. So this, is where, yeah, so this is where it starts to look like more like a crowdfunding than, uh, you know, right. than a VC kind of investment. Mm. Yeah. And when you look at those investors, what's sort of the average investment level? Um, in this uh, crowdfunding, actually, we are looking for small investor, right? So under the Security Commission, they have a criteria. There are three types of investor. They call it retail investor, uh, angel investor, and a sophisticated investor. So the investor in our platform until today, right? So for the past, I think we have launched uh, more than seventeen uh, project. Average of fund size is about ten thousand per investor. Right? So that's why if you are raising about one million, you are talking about hundred investor into mm -hmm. the into the program. And and uh, I'm pretty surprised as well. Like there are actually many uh, Malaysians out there that has this kind of disposable income, and are looking for opportunities other than the borrowing mutual funds or fixed deposit, which is crap now the rates or or, and they they may not have the know how of uh, going into money markets or or stock markets to trade. So therefore, there are many um what I've experienced personally and what I'm seeing the trend as well, there are many uh, slightly older uh, ladies and gentlemen that has this kind of disposable income and savings and they're beginning to look into all these early stage companies um, through uh, equity crowdfunding platforms and taking a small stake here and there, diversifying their their investments to look to look forward to, to greater returns. And they may not have enough to invest in a company themselves or even know how to do that. Yeah, most people... When you talk when we talk about forking out a hundred or two hundred thousand ringgit in a single investment, uh, it sounds like a big risk. And and for most Malaysians, I mean, in US dollars, of course, it's like maybe fifty thousand US dollars. Doesn't sound like much, but for most Malaysians, that is a considerable sum uh, to to put into a single investment. Sure. So I think ECF provides the opportunity for them to diversify, right? Yeah, William, what do you think? You'll be amazed. Uh, uh, actually, in Malaysia, the fixed deposit in Malaysia is considered very high, right? So, like just now, Doctor Lee mentioned. There's a lot of people got a lot of uh, this uh, saving money. into yeah. their, 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 their money. Eh? Yeah. So we call it the old money. Like old money. But in the past, I think most of the old money, they are investing into the property, they're investing mm. into the share market. Mm. And also, uh, uh, a big group of people actually investing into the money game. Mm. Right? So those are, we call it fast, uh, 
uh, fast money. Eh? Mm-hmm. So those are scheme actually a lot of people actually invest in and get hurt. Ponzi uh, so, schemes. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. why I think a few years ago in uh, 2014, this uh, SC start to come and regulate this part mm-hmm. and come up this a uh, platform if you, you want to take a higher risk investing into all these uh, non-listed companies, there's an opportunity. But even be- before this uh, being regulated, there's a lot of Chinese community and they actually investing into all these uh, 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 small companies, right? mm-hmm. but without proper uh, valuation, without proper guidance. So that's why a lot of this, uh, this kind of uh, investment uh, actually go bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the uh, ECF here open only to Malaysians or can foreigners invest? Uh, for investor, actually, it opens up to the world as long as uh, it doesn't limit. Uh, for, uh, for non-Malaysian, we actually have uh, some of the investors coming in, coming in from uh, Singapore, from Taiwan, from Hong Kong, uh, uh, from UK. Uh, as long as you, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But for issuer, it has to be Malaysian registered company. It can be a foreign company. Right? So we have one campaign actually from Taiwan. The owner actually from Taiwan, but it's uh, registered. The SSM is under Malaysian. Mm-hmm. So, so where you are eligible to do the fundraise. The education company, right? Yeah, it's uh, one of the, we call it an uh, online educational platform. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Which is also, uh, uh, you know, so I saw their portfolio, yeah. It was, it was very interesting as well, yeah. Um, you know, like, um, with all these money games and all these um, unsolicited, investment opportunities out there in Malaysia. How do you, as a company, reassure the investors saying that um, you guys are legit, you know, you are not scamming? Because we, we, we even know there is one, um, I don't think I want to mention the name, but there's another equity crowdfunding platform that is licensed by the National Bank, Bank Negara. And yet, one of their successful projects, the founder actually raised the money and then disappeared. Shut down all the businesses and disappeared. So that this thing happens as well. So, as an investor, I'm sure many people are concerned about these things happening. So, as an equity crowdfunding platform, what do you guys do to ensure or to reassure your investors that you guys are legit? Yeah, the the ECF actually is uh, uh, under the Security Commission, not mm-hmm. the Bank Nakara. Ah, yeah, so, yeah. it's under the Security Excuse Commission. Me, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, for all the projects coming in, actually, uh, especially those projects applying to this uh, uh uh, my starter, you can see actually we are quite stringent. Mm-hmm. So we have done a lot of steps in order to measure that all these uh, projects are genuine, mm-hmm. they are legit. Right? So we have we must do the a few rounds of uh, interview mm-hmm. and also pitching session mm-hmm. to measure their business model which is uh, 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 workable. Yeah. And also after that, we only go into a duty, due diligence. So we have a team of internal audit which we will audit their business including the financial background and so on. So before accepting them into the program. But so that doesn't stop the founder from getting the money and then leaving, right? Potentially? Uh, it, any any business actually there's a risk. Yeah. So that's why yeah. all the information and they, they provide to us including their pitch there, their presentation and so on. We make it available online so you can read yourself about the company history. Mm-hmm. The attraction is very important. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Yep. So how does the process of exiting a deal work for someone who invests in ECF? Is it different than VC investing or how does it work in the in, in an ECF format? The format actually uh, not much are different uh, investing by the retail investor and the VC. But however, I think for a startup, the kind of, we call it uh, angel round or this uh, sitting round, which is quite small, you know, the amount you're talking about. Uh, between uh, 500,000 to about $3 million. Uh, where the VC, the, the venture capital, they are not really interested. Mm-hmm. Right? So because they are investing into the amount which is much uh, bigger mm-hmm. because they are, their product which is their money. So they are investing into a small project and the big project, the effort is the same. Right? Mm-hmm. And also into this kind of very, very small uh, project, the risk is actually uh, much higher to them. Yeah. Right. So they rather investing into a, a, a funding round, B round, or even the A round. Mature, more mature kind of. But I guess my question is, if I put 10000 into a company, mm-hmm. the exit for me as the person who put that money in. In the ECF in, round. In the ECF round is is when the company decides to exit however it exits, right? So you're talking about what is your exit plan? As, as an ECF investor. As, yeah. as an investor. Oh, as an yeah. investor, yeah. There are a few uh, ways of uh, uh, exit the company. But uh, as... Especially when you are investing into this, uh, what we call it, early round, we call it a sitting round and so on. So, which is a quite a long-term investment. Uh, if the money is a uh, urgent use of the money, it's not your long-term uh, saving. So, we do not encourage you to invest. So, the 
the duration of investment average you're talking about five to eight years mm -hmm. right so the exit opportunity of course i think when the company go listed that's one second is when other big corporation they want to do a m a mm -hmm. right mergers and acquisition right mm -hmm. that's where you exit the other opportunity when the company go for next round right so once you go the next round there's opportunity of uh, appreciate of your variation mm -hmm. so other people might want to buy your share at a discounted uh, rate. So well, that was my next question. Mm -hmm. If the, if a company has a million ringgit, a million six in ECF money, and they have another investor come in, can they sort of buy out these ECF investors? Of course, this can be arranged uh, uh, privately, yes. As okay. long as there's a value buyer, there's a value seller, you, you can do that. All you have to do is just uh, inform me in the founder. Yeah, and, and I think it's 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 back. To, it's free market. So pretty much, if there's a buyer that comes in and say, "Hey, you know, you guys invested at ten million ringgit valuation, which is what Jasper's valuation was," um, and I'm going to buy you out for fifteen million at a fifteen million valuation. Um, I'm pretty sure if it, this happens in the near future, there will be people that will want to kind of exit. Right? I've made my money. I've I've uh, one point five times my investment. So right. I, I mean, want to exit, but that, that has to be done in a deal between the buyer and the seller, as you were yeah. saying just now. Yeah. So this is, you are talking about the difference between the uh, uh, pre-listed company and the listed company. Mm -hmm. So for those, the uh, share market is different, right? So because you can trade freely mm -hmm. in the stock market. Mm -hmm. But however, I think the SC also see the problem, mm -hmm. right? So because if your this uh, holding power is uh, too long, so you cannot exit freely, that mm -hmm. would lead to another problem. Liquidity issue. Yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. Liquidity issue. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, uh, last year, the SC actually also announced for those uh, platform players, we call it uh, operator, mm -hmm. we are allowed to open up the second market. So where uh, my starter also looking into it, you know, to open up the second market, where our investor or even including non not my start investor, they can actually trade f uh, freely oh. within each other. Right? So oh. will, this, this is going to happen. Okay, so, that's, so that's, this is very interesting. Okay, so I, this is my first time hearing this from William. So Correct. there is the main board, right, which is the, the Malaysian um, Bursa uh, KL stock market. Then there's the ACE market, which is the second board. Yeah. And then we actually have a third market, which is lead board. Now, the lead board is very limited because, um, uh, of course, the, the, the listing requirement is not as stringent as main board and ACE board. But the only investors that are allowed in lead board are um, sophisticated investors which have a certain uh, level of net worth or a certain level of income. Are you saying that there's now going to be a fourth board whereby it can be traded uh, f uh, whereby ECF companies can go there and trade shares? Yeah, we call it the second market. So where all the investors that you're holding the share within the uh, ECF uh, community, you can actually trade your share freely into this uh, Oh, that is mm. really interesting. Correct. All right. But but there there will be some criteria, right? Like for example, because like Leap, the reason why it many people are, are not considering going out in Leap because of the it's also because of the liquidity issue. You're right. Uh, not it, it can't be traded freely by individual uh, institutional investors or, or or retail investors in the market, uh, and so therefore you know I can do a maybe a successful IPO on Leap raising an uh, uh, amount of funds maybe 10 20 million but after that my shareholders holding my money can, uh, holding my shares is unable to cash out as well because the lead market is right. not as liquid right yeah. well will you do you foresee a similar kind of uh, challenge when it comes to the second market uh, as you were mentioning this now with the for, ECF for ECF actually because uh, you are still a non listed uh, company mm -hmm. right so the the period actually is already quite long Mm -hmm. right, so with this uh, second uh, secondary market, at least you can exit uh, as early as possible. So which is, I think, also bring benefit to the investor. Okay. Right. But now I think when you mentioned about the lead market, uh, now for ECF, uh, the fund size in the past is used to be about uh, 3 million, then increased to 5 million. Last year was uh, uh, 10 million. Now already increased to 20 million. So for many people that who plan to go uh, to the to the lead market, now you can actually consider ECF. Yeah. So not only for the small medium, eh? so even for medium to a large size uh, company, you actually can actually consider ECF as one of the options. Oh, you mean the, the biggest fundraising amount I can do through ECF is 20 million? Now, now. it's 20 million. It's oh, quite huge. Wow. Yeah. So, so, and I know because going on leap, it's going to cost between 800,000 to 1.2 million right. merchant yeah. banker fees and everything all. And going through ECF, like how, how are you guys charging, you know, in, in that sense? Yeah. Compared to the leap market, I think you can see the ECF is still relatively low. Mm -hmm. So the percentage of the uh, fund size, uh, uh, successful rates, there's, there's only 8% of the uh, charges. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's the market rate? Yeah, there's a, there's a, the rate actually is, uh, you know, set by the uh, Security Commission. Right, right, right. Interesting.
Interesting. Now, um, there are, I think, about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there are about 8 to 10 ECF players right ten. now in the yeah. market. 10, yeah. okay, all right, great. I got my facts right. Yeah. 10 ECF players in the market. How do you guys, as my starter, differentiate yourselves uh, as compared to your other competitors? Uh, you know, in attracting investors or in a- attracting uh, what we call businesses to come onto your platform to to conduct campaigns. As uh, just now I mentioned, eh, the first batch of uh, ECF player there was a seven license issue in 2015, mm-hmm. 2014, 2015. Uh, so they opened up the second batch, which is in uh, 2019. So we were the second batch. There were mm-hmm. three licenses given. Eh? So we actually only started our campaign in year 2000. Right. So, but the, for the first year, we already successfully uh completed about 17 projects, mm-hmm. close to 20 million. Wow. Uh, with this amount, actually consider, we are considered the fastest growing uh, ECF player in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Right? So last year, according to the statistics uh, given by the Security Commission, in terms of uh, number of campaign, we were ranked number two. In terms of the revenue, we actually ranked number three. Right? Mm-hmm. So why in uh, among the 10 players, I think our performance is still considered quite good because in the past, most of the the ECF player, they only focus on the tech company. But mm. in Malaysia, there's not many tech company, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they call it nature. So in fact, uh, most of the businesses are SME. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this is where I think when we are working with all the reward-based uh, uh, crowdfunding uh, players, uh, the community, including our startup uh, competition. So we already know that there's a lot of SME are actually ready to raise funds. So this is where our focus uh, compared with other players, they actually more focus on the tech base uh, company mm-hmm. yeah, so this gives us an uh, upper hand so because our sourcing are much larger compared with others mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how are ECF investors treated in terms of reporting requirements from the company as compared to typical investors are there any reporting requirements from the company back to the investors how does that work yeah definitely I think uh, because it's a Sandia Perhat so uh, first and foremost I think on a yearly basis you have to actually have an AGM mm-hmm. uh, annual general uh, 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 meeting, uh, meeting uh, with, with the investor that's one and secondly because of uh, this this kind of uh, investment into the early startup we actually ask the investor when you're investing into all these uh, early startup because their foundation are not strong so mm-hmm. it depends on the founder and their team how to execute and how to bring the company to another level. Mm-hmm. So with a small amount of investment, then you can diversify your risk. Mm-hmm. But of course, a uh, higher risk, higher return. Right? So in case the company actually did well, I think your investment can be multifold. Yeah. Right? So uh, uh, since there are, there are, there are this uh, attitude of investing into the uh, business, more like a consumer, more like a, a hardcore fan, more like an ambassador, you're actually helping to promote the company business in their product. So the investor and also the, uh, what do you call it, the issuer, they also like to have a more gathering and more briefing into uh, to each other. So that's why we actually have helped them to set up a group of uh, investor relationship. Mm-hmm. So on quarterly basis, actually they will touch base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's not, um, it's not regulated per se by the Securities Commission on Correct. how you do your reporting as compared to a public listed com- public listed company which uh, requires a quarterly reporting and um, the the private limited companies Sandra Berhards in Malaysia uh, are required to do once a year Annually, yeah. annual audit reports uh, but in the ECF of course we still comply with the once a year a- annual annual audit reports at the same time like what uh, William was saying we, we give uh, in give some updates in, in different intervals uh, and especially if there's something big coming up. Yeah, we do encourage them to hold the meeting on a quarterly basis or half yearly basis. I think for the past, uh, those are cases, the, the project, I think actually they did, right? They did yeah. quite well and yeah. also the update to the investor mm-hmm. on how they do because uh, nowadays with the social media and all this uh, open up, actually, uh, the more you share with your investor, the faster you can grow your business because uh, these are the people that who are also your consumer, also your follower. Mm-hmm. They actually, the more information you give to them, they can help you to promote your business and also help you to bring in more resources mm-hmm. and even help you to bring in more business partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, being being a, a an entrepreneur for the past five years, yeah, it's a little bit more than five years now, um, and slight having slightly more experience than the juniors nowadays, I do get a lot of questions from the junior entrepreneurs asking me that how do I come up with the valuation of my company? I think this is like one of the FAQ's favorite questions that uh, all the junior, junior entrepreneurs are asking. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to raise funds. How do I come up with a valuation? 
now I, I can understand at the early stage it's basically willing buyer willing seller if you think I'm worth it you're investing in me not the company not the product not the services but when it comes to your kind of stage whereby you know the company has to be a certain maturity before they can before they can go for ECF how do you guys like advice or how would you advise or how would you come up with some valuation system that the junior entrepreneurs can kind of learn from when it comes to valuing their own company yeah this is actually a broader uh, subject uh, so that's why we call it the capital market mm-hmm. so in the past uh, most of the business they actually do not utilize the capital market you know that depend on their own uh, uh, revenue and so on so that's why it takes so long forever to grow your business into mm-hmm. a certain uh, you know certain sizes uh with the capital market so if your product are sellable, you have a good idea. So with the money coming in, you can actually uh, multiply your business into another level. Mm-hmm. So this is a very good idea to to, to raise funds. Mm-hmm. And most of the business owners, they do they do know about their property prices, they know their house prices, you know. But uh, many of them, they do not know how much their business worth. Yeah. Right? So the company worth. Right? So this is something very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So th- uh, when they start to raise fund, and uh, some they will even ask and saying that you know I want to raise a five million. Mm-hmm. Right. So without knowing uh, how much the company variation, you raise a five million. So which is crazy, right? So let's say for example, your company only worth five million. You raise five million, so you actually given up all your share to the <laughs> to the investor, which is not practical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but but like okay, I know there are a lot of uh, valuation methods like uh, PE multiplier, uh, discounted cash flow. Um, uh, what what the other what are the other ones? The the IRR, internal yeah, rate of asset returns. Asset base, uh, there's plenty. Uh, there's a uh, multiple. Base, but yeah. in uh, this uh, ECF and uh, startup, uh, most of the most of them, I think, they are using the discounted uh, cash flow uh, analysis mm-hmm. and also combine. Right. So for variation, I think it's quite simple. So with the issuer, they have their own uh, variation format. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have actually engaged the uh, external professional to come up the variation uh, for the company. Mm-hmm. And even internally with my starter, we have a team, uh, our audit will come up the evaluation method to mm-hmm. to, to to counter uh value of the company. Right? So it's actually three party. Mm-hmm. And the 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 valuation method actually beside uh, based on your PL, based on your other performance, uh it actually depends a lot on your traction. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about traction, it's not something to do with your profit and loss and also nothing to do with your revenue. Uh, give you an example. We actually have one project. Uh, the revenue and the profit, uh, actually not that much, mm-hmm. but the, the traction are quite good, right? So, give you an example is, this company actually, uh, before they, they go for this uh, ECF, they, on this uh, Facebook and on this uh, social media, they have a large uh, follower and the fans. Yeah, they got more than what uh, one million fans. Mm-hmm. So, we all these a uh, follower. Uh, believe in them, believe in their product. They just do not know how to man- monetize the the business yet. But when the idea coming in, with all this a uh, large uh, follower and attraction and engagement, so the company can grow a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Right. So with this attraction, actually also give them the uh, valuation. Mm-hmm. Right. So another scenario, I think uh, many of you might might heard about this a uh, clubhouse. Right. So clubhouse also a company that do not have uh, monetized, do not have a uh, a business model yet uh, so all they have actually is a user base you know how many downloads and how many user mm-hmm. right? so uh, clubhouse is amazing right so when they just uh, started the company in uh, may 17 first launched their project so within two months they actually able to raise uh, 11 million ringgit okay. right? the dollars uh, 11 million dollars uh, at that time their valuation is already 100 million wow right? the company is only about two months old right so you might think they're crazy so this is how they value so the 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 most important value based on this evaluation is actually not discounted rate of us. However, it's actually based on the founder themselves. Mm-hmm. The two founders actually already have a very high value because of their track record. So what they did in the past, what is their specialty, and what is their people's network, you know, they're able to attract this uh, Mark Anderson to come in on board as their investor, they give a lot of uh, value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So with this are uh, true enough, right? So immediately after another nine months, I think with less than a year, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, uh, the Anderson Hollywood's actually investing into another hundred million. Wow. So made them the uh, the the fastest uh, uh, growing uh, unicorn in the history, uh, even faster than the Facebook. Wow, wow, wow! Uh, it it doesn't stop there. Uh, three months later, the company in uh, the valuation uh, grows to about four billion. Wow. 
So wow. 15 months old company. So this is how crazy. Right? So when you're talking about variation method, right? So apply to this company totally is you, you just cannot imagine mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. how how it derived into the evaluation. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's it's what you I think what you're trying. If I'm if I get you right, what you're trying to say it's very subjective. It Correct. really depends on how the the general population, the market, the community values what you have or values you or your products. Yeah. For the for the VC, for the professional, actually the, the variation method, if you, you look at the list, it can be hundreds. It's all we all this are combined together to come up with your valuation. It also depends on the business. You wouldn't do a valuation for Jasper like you might do it for some app that has a bunch of users. Different industry will have different methods of valuing as well. The valuation are higher uh, basically have a two very important criteria. One, it has to be a light asset. So light asset meaning that when your company grow, multiply, your cost actually do not increase mm-hmm. simultaneously. So for example, if you are restaurant-based, you are asset-based, you open up one restaurant, you want to double up your revenue, you have to open up another one, your manpower also have to increase. But if you are, uh, uh, what do you call it, a subscription base, uh, like Zoom, you know, for example, so when the business grow, another pe- person uh, subscribe to pay for the fees, your cost actually do not increase at all. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is, we call it the light asset. Mm-hmm. So where you can grow uh, much faster. Even, th- even when you sleep, you know, people pay money to you. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. do not actually have to serve the customer. So if you have a product, let's just say it's some kind of online app or something, and maybe you're not charging your users very much or maybe not at all, but if you have 10,000 users, that still may have value. Correct, yeah. So the, the user base actually is one of the important things because uh, once you find out how to charge them when you have a large base, even a person pay you about you know, just a dollar, it can be 10,000 within a day. Still a very high value. The second thing, the valuation is very high. Your product or your business, it has to be, the target market has to be huge. Mm-hmm. For example, like Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. So their target market is the worldwide. They are actually benchmark uh, Facebook. Right. So Facebook, you are talking about they are having about what seven billion dollar, uh, seven billion population mm-hmm. uh, user base. Yeah. So when you're talking about worldwide, is your target market. So the value can be very high. But whereas if your business is only limited into Clan Valley, then it's very small size. No matter how good or how unique is your business, it cannot grow very much because you're a very small audience. Right. 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 Uh, and speaking of the the speed of growth of Clubhouse. This is very interesting and could be a little bit controversial, but I think we are in Malaysia, so I can say this. Um, you know, when Clubhouse first was first released, um, China they were, it was available in China for six weeks, and in these six weeks, many of the Chinese activists and all this because China has the Great Firewall of China, banning all all I mean it's all strongly monitored and controlled by the government. And when Clubhouse arrived at the scene, it happened so fast that they were not able to regulate on time. So so many of the information interesting information were coming out from Chinese activists. Many uh, journalists from the West or, or even the East were going in onto Clubhouse and interacting with these people, getting feedback from the ground. And the China government was scrambling, scrambling, and finally in six weeks, they banned Clubhouse from, from China altogether. It's yep. interesting though, bringing up Clubhouse, you still have to have a compelling business at some level. Mm-hmm. Because in the last month, Clubhouse's user base has actually dropped quite a bit. Uh-huh. I'm not sure why. Yeah, this is quite natural because... When your this uh, user hits to a number, uh, those are hype actually is uh, abnormal because a lot of people excited, they are right. new, you spend a lot of time on the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But somehow you have to bet to normal hour. You cannot just still spend 24 hours. Correction. You know, sleep, yeah. uh, <laughs> you call it, uh, uh, correct the, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the user behavior. Yeah, I read that just yesterday that clubhouse's user base plummeted in the last 30 days. I don't know why, but it, you know. Yeah, so one is I think because of hype, right? so it's actually dropping. Right. This right. one. And also, I think because of uh, many people already start to be more, uh, what do you call it, uh, regular user. They do not just hoping around and so active anymore. Mm-hmm. Just for example, like myself, you know, I think in the past also, we actually have to uh, experiment, experience the uh, different room and different uh, topics. So that's why you spend a lot of time. But once you already know your interests and also you know the group that you want to associate, you actually are more regular. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like I spend you know, a couple of hours on the clubhouse on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So where it's, it's more actually a uh, regular customer mm-hmm. than uh, you're still uh, uh, shopping around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. B- back to the question of devaluation. I- I'm pretty sure you would encounter founders that will come to you and say, William, I don't agree with your valuation or I think my company is worth much more than whatever you think I'm worth. How do you then handle this kind of uh, entrepreneurs or this kind of founders? 
Uh, there are three uh, different uh, reports on the variation. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, uh, one is from the issuer themselves and second from an uh, external uh, professional. That one is come from us. So when, of course, the number actually do not, uh, most of the time is wasn't the same. Right? So that's why we have, a, we need to have a meeting in order to, 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 what you call it, to agree upon on the number. If the issuer uh, want to insist on the number are lower, sometimes it's lower, not necessarily the higher. Right? So, uh, got, uh, don't get me wrong. Eh? I know another yeah. company that... that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so some they say, hey, the valuation actually is too high. Why? Because if the valuation is not the fair price, mm-hmm. not the fair valuation, mm-hmm. uh, example, let's say I give it a double the valuation. So the pressure is on you because if you are not able to achieve this uh, projection uh, forecast, so that means your next round of funding will never come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will be a down mm-hmm. round. Because the second, second performance, the second valuation... Uh, the first investor definitely will not agree for you to go to the next valuation mm-hmm. when the valuation actually is dropping. Mm-hmm. So which means uh, my investment actually at loss. So that's why the the the, the founder have to work harder or take much longer in order to you able to uh to to do the second round. Mm-hmm. So actually it's to their advantage. But if your funding your this valuation actually is lower within a year or within six months you can do another round because your valuation for the next round is actually increased. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and many um entrepreneurs or, or founders do not realize that they 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 be thinking I want to get my I want to get the most valuation as I can. You know, yeah, that depends on me. your forecast because if you put the forecast so high, so how how do you come up the number? It's it's not that easy, right? Right, right. And and that puts a lot of stress on for the founders to to achieve those kind of numbers and sometimes you know, they may break in the process. Correct. Or, or so it has to be a fair price. And and furthermore, even you insist on the valuation, let's say three parties also 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 agree. But I believe the investor also have their own set of a valuation method, you know. So when they look at it, hey, this is overvalue. So when there's nobody invest, I mean you can ask the price as high as possible, mm-hmm. but your funding will not be successful. Well, isn't this a problem with VCs compared to ECF? VCs are gonna have all their limited partners they need to pay off. So they're gonna want you as the founder of the company to be much more aggressive in how you grow, perhaps compared to the ECF. Is that true? Actually, it's the same. Right? Both ideas have the same expectation. Okay. But uh, for this uh, VC uh, investing into the early stage is quite quite unlikely. Right? So because of the fund size is quite small, mm-hmm. and then also I think you have to do a lot of coaching, a lot of the this uh, mentorship to them, mm-hmm. so which is not justified to their time. Right. So that's why I think their amount, uh, their minimum funding amount, I think. Uh, average for foreign uh, this uh, VC is you're talking about five million dollars. Right? Mm-hmm. So where I did the startup, they do not have the kind of valuation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so because of five million, basically you can buy out the company. But who would want to buy out the company when there's no people to run the business? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, uh, again, this is going down a little bit of a controversial path. I like I like our conversation today. So <laughs> a lot of controversies. There are some platforms in Malaysia. I'm not going to name names, mm-hmm. right? I should end right, Andrew. <laughs> well, I don't know most of these ECFs and Malaysia, right, right. so it doesn't matter to me. But what what I feel personally, all right, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm right, okay, but it's my personal feeling that they seem a little bit unscrupulous when give, coming out with valuations because as, as you see, their their rewards, their compensation is a percentage of the total funds raised. Right. In that sense, the higher your valuation, the more funds you're raising, the more I'm getting a cut out of it, right? That's their business model essentially. And they are, and I've seen astronomical valuations coming out with com- coming out from companies on their platform. And and like for example, you know, at, at hundreds of times of PE or a thousand times PE, you know, that kind of valuation, right? So what do you think about this phenomena and how do you think it would affect the SME or the startup community in Malaysia? It's quite difficult to answer this question. So because I did different platform, controversial, <laughs> uh, controversial right? but because I, I, it also depends on the investor. As the investor, they are more educated, you know, they are more aware of uh, how this uh, ECL works. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's uh, getting tougher to raise funds if your valuation is too high. Mm-hmm. But they, you, are, you are right. I think uh, some of the projects, I think the valuation is way too high. Even for my starter, I think some complaint our valuation is high. I think we are the most, I think we, we are one of the most uh, conservative. Eh? That's why we so, chose you all. <laughs> because are we are more aligned. <laughs> more aligned yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're a, uh, a retail investor in an ECF, you put in, say, 10000 
you may not know to look at the valuation and Correct. understand what that really means mm-hmm. as a small time exactly, investor. Exactly. Yeah. You're only thinking, oh, it's only ten thousand ringgit. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you also, uh, which you may never get back. <laughs> all right. Also, because of the 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 share, you might get a lot of share, yeah, because the 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 price per share can be very low. Yeah. But they say, hey, you actually get one thousand share. You know, you thought that you actually your return is not too bad. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So sometimes it could be clouded. Right, the cloud in in a sense clouded. The judgment could be clouded. Right, the investors, the, the judgment of the investors could be clouded. Um, uh, most of the information are actually transparent and right. also also there. I think actually uh, giving this uh, investor a responsibility, you actually have to read through. Yeah, there's uh, a big disclaimer on your website. Correct. Yeah. Right. So and also that. there's a lot of financial report actually are given to you before mm-hmm. you actually invest in. Actually, you can download all this uh, PNL. They are they are uh, they are pitch there. You know mm-hmm. the the company background and so on, mm-hmm. and even even the story and so on. You actually can ask questions, right? And so before you invest in, uh, so it all depends on the individual how you look at the valuation. Right, right. Uh, I I've seen your ads recently, and you say that there's this thing called a my CIF, right, or my CIF. Yeah. Um, can you explain a little bit more what MySIF is and how SME or founders could benefit from that? Yeah, we actually have to give a thumbs up to this uh, security commission. Right? Mm-hmm. So the government actually in Malaysia, in terms of this uh, alternative uh, financing, which they have done a good job, I mean, compared to a, a neighboring country. So uh, last year, because of a pandemic, actually the government actually have pumped in $30 million uh, as, a, as a, they call it a, core investment fund eh? mm-hmm. for those uh, projects that you want to fundraise through ECF. Uh, at the time, I think the ratio is uh, 1 to 2. Okay. So meaning that if you are able to raise uh, 1 million, the government actually able to help to core invest additional 500,000 into your project. But it's not a grant. Eh? It's not free. Eh? So uh, Equity. It's, uh, actually, it's the same. They're just uh, one of the investors but on behalf of the government mm-hmm. uh, under the uh, Maybank trustee. So okay. you actually, in return, you also have to give uh, the same amount of a share to, to the government. But it will make your this uh, fundraiser much easier because mm-hmm. you do not have to look for so many supporters. Right. So MySIF, this, it stands for co- CIF stands for Co-Investment Fund. Correct. Yeah. Uh, right. Malaysia Co-Investment Fund. Right. Um, now, being a, a creative person, right, um, I... I and, and and this is also another controversial question. Today we are asking all the loaded questions, <laughs> not letting you off easier, William. Um, I could try to game the fund, the CIF. For example, if I set my valuation, if I kind of um, conspire with the ECF platform, right? And I say, okay, my valuation is twenty million, uh, whatever, whatever. And then I get in a investor to pump in, say, three million, and uh, then. The government will match the the fund. Now it's one to four, right? So uh, sorry, is it, let's say my if my investor, now it's one to four. Yeah. So my investor pumps in four million, and the government then gives me a million. And a few months later, my investor then sells back the share to me, and I give some interest to to this like from the from the one million I raised from the government, I give some interest to this person, saying that okay, thank you for helping me get the the MySIF funds, and now here's your money back with some interest. I mean, this looks like something that could be carried out, right? Is there any? It's safeguard? quite difficult. It's quite difficult because mm-hmm. uh, your money going in into the fund uh, actually is pumping into uh, your payout capital, mm-hmm. so you actually have to be utilized mm-hmm. according to your plan. So if the money do not actually carry out to to bring up the value mm-hmm. or develop your business, mm-hmm. eventually this uh, this uh, security commission they will know. So mm-hmm. actually, whoever did that, you know, you are actually responsible. Yeah. So, so it's not so easy to get away. It's right? dangerous, right? <laughs> yeah, but you can try. I mean, there are, maybe there are people who are doing. Uh, we, we yeah, do so know, so yeah. that ties back to the unscrupulous behavior of different ECF platforms, right? I'm thinking some of them could be giving this kind of ridiculous uh valuation because they are trying to also game the system, the MyCIF system. Or, again, this is my personal point of view. I'm not saying it's a fact. You know, it's it's just what I think that could happen, uh, in in this kind of environment. So but in general, I think we do believe the platform. We also believe into an issue. They actually have coming in into this a uh, fundraise. You know, with a very open heart, we are very genuine a uh, 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 motive, uh, where they actually want to grow the business. So I think the trust, mm-hmm. uh, for issuer for investor, I think is still there. You know, it's yeah. still there. So we 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 also hope that their business actually through this uh, money coming in, they actually can speed up their business uh, much faster. Yeah, this. Is is why you guys are very important because you guys are the bridge that facilitates right. the trust between the investor and the and the issuers because um, I would have no knowledge 
uh, most of the companies that came to your platform, I may not have any yeah, knowledge. Yeah. Actually, it's not easy to, uh, to get listed in uh, MyStarter. Right? Mm-hmm. So because uh, the moment that you, you, the moment that actually you apply uh, this uh, ECF, yeah. we actually have a committee uh, yeah. to review your this project. I think uh, not only one round. Okay. So the first round, we actually, uh, first round uh, of this uh, interview, if you fail, there's no, no second round. Right. So after second round, third round, only we will engage into a deal D. So mm-hmm. where we will be more serious into signing the, uh, we call it a non-disclosure agreement. Mm-hmm. So we'll start to asking for the facts that if you are a doctor like Dr. Lim, you cannot just, hey, because I call you Dr. Lim, you're a doctor. So you actually have to produce a certificate to prove that you have <laughs> I've never title. seen this document. <laughs> <laughs> so you look like doctor, you sound like doctor, but you are not I have, as, I have. actually the doctor. Right, so right. We have to actually ask Dr. Lim to provide the certificate if you are the Tato, we actually have to ask you to produce uh, your business license, your this financial report, uh, auditor report. We actually have to gather before before we extend the duty. And this is where we, our first part only enter into uh, what we call it, uh, the agreement into a uh, uh, crowdfunding agreement. Right. So that's only the starting point. So right. it's not easy. William, you may want to uh, turn off your snooze first. Yeah, because <laughs> otherwise your alarm is going to ring after 10 minutes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna wrap. We're gonna wrap up soon. So, um, as William is uh, turning off his uh, alarm snooze, um, now, okay, can you give us an overview on, let's say, if I'm an interested, I'm an SME owner, let's say, and I'm interested to yes. to do the ECF, can you just give us a quick walkthrough on, um, how do I start the the, the talk, start the process with my starter? Yeah. yeah. Actually, this year a very interesting year. So I think we are actually review our target is to review one thousand projects. So it means one thousand application coming uh, on board uh, to to our platform. So average, I think I I have to read through a uh, twenty uh, project a day. Mm-hmm. So which is not an easy task. So because of this, I think our team are very well versed with the business model. You know how genuine is the uh, is the project and so on. So which is which is quite good. Right? Mm-hmm. Among the one thousand, uh, our target will only shortlist. Finally, about seventy project. So the rate is very, very seven percent. Seven percent. Okay. Uh, is it seven percent? No, zero point seven percent. Oh, point seven percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it, am I right? Uh, seven thousand. No, it's seven percent. Seven percent. Seven percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one hundred project is only seven uh, project will be successful. Yeah. So which is quite stringent. Yeah. So how 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 as an entrepreneur, let's say I have not done ECF before, how can I approach you? And okay. uh, to, to get the conversation In the past, started. I think most of people will come to me or come to this uh, goal. Eh? Mm-hmm. So either uh, two of us, I think we spend too much time. So mm-hmm. uh, eventually, I think we come up with a formula. So instead of uh, looking for us, we might not be the right one, right person that you speak to. Mm-hmm. So first of all, uh, whoever they are interested, we will send you a link where you fill up the uh, basic information about your background, uh, the way that we want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so which is quite, it's quite simple. Eh? So I think it only take about 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm to answer this uh, basic information, where our team immediately within these uh, three days, they can do a background or a study mm-hmm. to analyze your business, uh, whether you qualify for the next level of uh, interview. Okay. So if you do, then our this uh, team will send you an invite link to do a Zoom. Now it's because of the pandemic, so we all do online. Mm-hmm. So within three days, uh, our team will send you the link for the first interview. So it only takes about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And even the presentation format, we already come up the format for you to, to insert in, to write down, to fill in the form. We call it a Google survey form. Uh, we, with the technology, it's able to generate into a PowerPoint form where you can do the presentation. Okay. Very precise wow. uh, for 15 minutes. So our, our this committee comprises of six person from a different department. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it project department, uh, where they were qualified into the second round. So with the passing rate of uh, 70, 60 point, in order to uh, go to the next level, if you fail, we'll inform you that sorry, you know, uh, what's the reason? Uh, most of the time, it's because the traction is not enough. And only seven percent of people will pass this stage. Correct. You are saying okay. uh, this uh, stage is not. This okay. stage will be uh, much higher. Okay. 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 So. In the final round, it's only 7%. Okay, so you, I okay. think we'll filter from 1,000 to uh, 250. So okay. yeah, 250. So, so at we'll this stage, list. 250. And what's right. the next stage? Uh, 1,000, uh, 250, and into... Well, this is too quick for me to pick up the number. Eh? <laughs> so 7%, uh, 20 project, which is uh, 250. And five hundred. The, right. the first level, I think, is is two hundred fifty. Right. Okay. And into forty. 
Okay. Right? 40 into 70. Yeah. So okay. there are four, four filter system. Okay. Right? So we'll filter up. Uh, uh, so after the, the second round, uh, uh, qualified into uh, 30 minutes. Right? So 30 minutes, uh, once you qualify, then only into another level. Mm-hmm. So after that, when we start to ask you to produce a what do you call it document mm-hmm. and also your this uh, your this uh, certificate, your business license, your PNL, and so on. The due diligence. Uh, due part. diligence mm-hmm. part, and even uh, our team also we probably do a side visit. You know? So if you claim that you have a certain outlet and a location, so we also have to do mm-hmm. the chat. Are there certain industries you're interested in, or you tend to like? And industries you're not interested in? This is a very good question. Eh? So in Malaysia, I think in most of the, uh, uh, the, the what do you call it, capital market, they, they prefer the tech company mm-hmm. and a fast growing and a light asset and also a global company. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in Malaysia, we do not have uh, many of them. If we, we, we do uh, uh, limit ourselves into all these companies, I think that the project to review is quite little. Eh? Yeah. So at this moment, we are open up. As long as your business model is uh, growing, if you think the money coming in, it can bring you to another level. We welcome to you to apply, and we coach them. And and as you can see, why we review a one thousand project? Actually, we are preparing them for next year or the year uh, after. Mm-hmm. So immediately able to uh, already uh, what we call it uh, ready enough to do a fundraise. Actually, it's only seven percent. Right. But with this exercise, we are able to 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 actually uh, helping ourselves to gather more uh, prospect for the next uh, few years so yeah. that we have uh, enough for fun side yeah uh, so entrepreneurs listening yeah entrepreneurs right. listening out there don't be uh, discouraged if you don't pass the first or second stage because you can always come back there's no limit of times uh, where you can come back and uh, apply for this uh, yeah. furthermore and this process. is all a free consultation right so even f- uh, we spent 3 months with you there's no fees at all it's all all free and uh, you know FOC yeah. And the reason we do that actually we are actually, uh, we are trying to help the SME and also the business community. Hopefully that your business can grow to another level. So when your business grow, you are hire actually more people. Right? Your company are doing well actually to our Malaysia business and to our community actually is a is a very very good job. Yeah, that's a greater uh, contribution Correct. that your company yeah, can. Yeah. So can we are do. not only looking for the profit at all. As you can see, our fees actually, uh, just now mentioned about eight percent. But as I think many of you might know, uh, there's a Maybe five six percent are going to the cost of operation. Yeah, uh, including uh, what even investing into uh, ECF, you'll be surprised. Huh? you actually can use your credit card, your this debit card, you know, online to do the uh, transaction. Right. Without actually uh, uh bother us to trouble us to help you for the banking right. and, and so on. It's very convenient. Yeah, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna have we we're much over time now. We're gonna wrap up the show, but uh, just to ask this uh, final little depressing question: um, <laughs> what what happens if the ECF campaign fails? Like, what happens? I mean, I'm sure this is an investor related question. They will be they will love to know. Yeah, surely. I put in my money, and and the project didn't hit the target, right? So it it's considered fail. Correct. So what happens then? Okay, it's quite simple. You see, uh, why, uh, why people want to invest into uh, ECF or early startup uh, company? Because the return is very high. Mm-hmm. So, example, if you are investing into this uh, Facebook like uh, eight years ago, uh, this, year, this year is my 13 years anniversary with Facebook. Mm-hmm. 13 years ago, I'm not just a user, I'm a small investor. I'm making like what? 10 of thousand uh, return, mm. 10, uh, 10 of thousand time return. So, investing into this uh, ECF, similarly, I think you might have a 10 time that kind of return. So it's uh, advisable that you put your money into a 10 basket to mm-hmm. not put into one. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, you have uh, eight, nine projects are failed, the 10 are successful, you are still making good return. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the chances of fail is very, very high. Yeah. So if you have a certain amount, do not put just uh, invest into one ECF. Well, right. that, that's so the strategy of most VCs, right? Uh, yeah. Correct. Yeah, and 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 what I'm, I think my question is, if like for example, um, if the campaign fails, like if the campaign was set to oh, raise a million ringgit, okay, and and it falls short of that amount, so what happens to the money that I've put into the campaign then? Okay, this is a different question. Uh. Yeah, just now you were talking yes. about when the company uh, actually after fundraise successfully, it goes yeah. burst. Uh, that means uh, all your money actually gone. Right? Yeah. So, uh, but the second, if if they want to fundraise, uh, uh, in this uh, fundraiser, there's a, a minimum amount and a maximum amount. Mm-hmm. So when you hit the minimum amount, so let's say the minimum amount is uh, $1 million, you hit 800000 you consider fail. Mm-hmm. Above $1 million, which is considered uh, successful. Eh? So in the event, if you are four short of a million, the minimum target, so consider fail, actually the money actually is kept into the trustee account. Mm-hmm. So immediately when the campaign ends, 
we will trigger the uh, exercise. All this money will return back to all the investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no fees uh, charging to the issuer and whatsoever. Okay, so basically, consider our loss. Yeah, basically yeah. the the investor will escape unscathed if the target is not met. And normally, how is a usual time frame? How many days do you allow for this campaign to go on? Uh, the campaign actually uh, under the Security Commission uh, guideline, there's no uh, limit. But mm-hmm. uh, in most of cases, they set about two months. Mm-hmm. But for my starter, I think we prefer uh, within two weeks to four weeks as uh, short as possible. Mm-hmm. Because the longer you drag, actually the money do not come in. Because when the project are not excited, you know, during the, the first uh, few days. So now we are actually talking about days and not weeks. Yeah, I can so see that. Can <laughs> see that uh, the last uh, couple of days we launched a project actually within one or two days already successful. So this is our, we call it a strategy. Eh? So if the, the project are not, not excited enough, not exciting enough, uh, not attractive enough, you can see actually our poor investor, they will not follow because they are the follower. Right, right, right. right. So which is very important. Is it also possible that some of these ECF companies aren't just doing the proper marketing to get to the people? I mean, obviously some companies are better than others at marketing their founders and the investment. Yeah, because of most of the companies, they do a fundraise and they do an ECF, which is only one in a lifetime. All of them are new, so we cannot depend on them to do the marketing. And they also do not have the know-how. So all these are actually come from us. So we have we need, our team actually have all the standard marketing campaign, you know, how to guide them and how to uh, give them the uh, uh, SOP, you know, proper guideline. Uh, we call it pre-marketing campaign and uh, marketing campaign and also the uh, post-marketing campaign. So as long as they follow our this, uh, our this uh, what do you call it, procedure, I think the funding successful is almost 100%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, so I'm, I'm just going to conclude. Okay, so listeners out there, uh, investors especially, the worst case scenario of you investing into an ECF company is if the company goes bust, you lose your entire investment, which is 5000 10000 or whatever amount that you put in. But the best case scenario is if you invested in a unicorn, you could 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times your money. <laughs> That's yeah. also so diversification is very, very important. Right, right. So uh, thank you so much, uh, William, for coming on and sharing you your much. experience. This is one of my favorite episodes that we have done so far. <laughs> very enjoyable conversation and uh, very insightful as well. And uh, thank you for spending time with us. Um, we definitely look forward to hear more projects uh, from you. And is it is the best way for our listeners to reach you through your website? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So Actually, we- there are many, many ways to reach us, and mm-hmm. uh, because we are invisible, uh, I mean, we are visible everywhere. Right. right? So our marketing campaign actually doing quite well. I think you can uh, reach out to us uh, via the WhatsApp, the Facebook, the the uh, the website. Anyway, I think you can reach out. Yeah, so we're going to put some of their contacts in the episode description below. Yeah, surely, and yeah. uh, you can go there. And if you are interested to reach out to my starter, please go, go ahead and uh, get connected with William, uh, Mr. Go, and his, uh, the rest of their team. Once again, um, thank you for listening and staying on with us uh, to the end of the show. Uh, it's really been an enjoyable experience. I've learned so much today. Even though I've done ECF before, it's still a learning curve. And I really look forward to... Um, hearing more success projects from my starter. Uh, congratulations for all the uh, success that you have had in the past couple of years and I'm sure this is going to continue on uh, as long as you guys uh, continue to reach out and to help uh, other SME and uh, smaller entrepreneurs out there. Uh, thank you for staying with us. This has been the Dr. Pronounce Podcast. My name is Dr. Lim and with me is my co-host Andrew Mastrandonas and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Dr. Lim. 